the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, let's see, we're, we're going to continue with our uh, salute to uh, Rosh Hashanah. So stay tuned. We've got um, Scott Shea coming up in just a minute. Is this 418-9749? Speaking. Sarah? Yeah. Sarah Jockman, Sarah Jockman. How's by you? How's by you? How's by you to family? How's your sister Emily? She's nice too. She's nice too. Jerry Bachman, Jerry Bachman, so what's new? So what's new? What you doing, Sarah? Reading John O'Hara. He's nice too. He's nice too. Sarah Jockman, Sarah Jockman, how's by you? How's by you? How's your brother Bernie? He's a big attorney. How's your sister Doris? Still with William Morris. How's your cousin Shirley? She got married early. How's her daughter Esther? Skipped a whole semester. How's your brother Bentley? Feeling better mentally. How's your cousin Ida? She's a freedom rider. 
What's with Uncle Sidney? They took out a kidney. How's your sister Norma? She's a nonconformer. How's your cousin Lena? Moved to Pasadena. How's your Uncle Nathan? Him I got no faith in. I ain't heard from Sonia. I'll get her to phone ya. How's her daughter Rita? A regular Lolita. How's your cousin Manny? Signed up with Victani. How's your nephew Seymour? Seymour joined the Peace Corps. He's nice too. He's nice too. Sarah Jackman, Sarah Jackman. How's by you? How's by you? Give regards to high now. Gotta say goodbye now. Give regards to Mo now. Well, I gotta go now. To the loo. To the loo. To Welcome back, everybody. My uh, guest this hour is a prominent businessman and uh, uh, thought leader on uh, subjects uh, that have been featured in his books. We're going to talk about his uh, newest book, which is uh, a follow-up to uh, his two previous books, In Good Faith, Questioning Religion and Atheism, and Getting Our Groove Back, How to Energize American Jewry. his newest book talks about, uh, uh, or or at least shares his thoughts on uh, what's called the BDS movement. We're going to find out what that is and uh, and what author Scott Shea has to say about it in his new book, Conspiracy U, a case study. Anyway, Scott Shea joins me by phone. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here, Tom. Tell me what BDS is. So BDS is stands for Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. And it is essentially, depending on who is propo- proposing it, it's for boycott and sanctioning all of Israel, or some people like Ben and Jerry's claim that they're just sanctioning, BDSing um, um, Judah and Samaria, the West Bank, however you want to refer to it. But by and large, it's a movement that is has focused on one disputed territory in the entire world. There are a hundred disputed territories in the world, but the BDS moment movement is focused just on Israel. Um, so no boycotts of North Korea, no boycotts of Syria, no boycotts of of the Taliban, nobody else. Just, of course, Israel. And my book explains, to some degree, how this all happened, and also that the BDS movement really started, and really, it's not just a function of the far left, but it's also from the far right. And it's uh, unfortunately not so new. There have been boy BDS movements against Jews um, for... In, in maybe hundreds of years, and certainly well during the 20th century. 
I mean, my father, who was a Holocaust survivor, grew up in Sveksson, Lithuania, and there they had any Jewish, there what they had was a, Jew, a boycott against Jews, any Jewish shop owner um, had a black smear of tar put on his or her sign to indicate that the townsfolk shouldn't shop there. So BDS is not so not so new, but unfortunately it's morphed and become the cause celeb. And is it is it organized in some way? And and I agree with you. This idea of being um, anti-Semitic or um, anti-Israel, um, anti-Jew is not new. And and I mentioned earlier when I was talking with. Uh, uh, Deborah Dash Moore from uh, University of Michigan. Um, I <laughs> brought up the the uh, the old Groucho Marx quote: "I wouldn't join a club that would have me as a member." Um, I don't know if you remember that quote, but yep, I um, do. But it, it, the thing that was so much fun about that quote is how double-edged it was. Um, you know, he, he managed to say a lot while at the same time planting his tongue in cheek. But that notion of um, not wanting to join a club that had Jewish members, you know, is certainly not new to what's now being called the BDS movement. But would you consider the BDS movement organized in any way? Or is it just this this random prejudice that is, is just sort of rambling around? No, it's not random. Um, the BDS movement is very organized. Um, you can, you know, if you Google BDS movement, they've got their own website. Um, it's organized. It was started by Omar Bugatti, who um, uh, believes that uh, Israel should not have any state. Um, and uh, this is a movement that believes that, uh, that uh, uh, there should be no Israel from the river to the sea, that it aligned very, it is aligned very closely. And again, you can see this all from their public, public, public stuff public things that they're happy to promulgate is that um, essentially the BDS movement uh, feels there should be no Jews from the river to the sea and Hamas which is frequently extolled on you know various BDS um, by various BDS proponents along with Hezbollah believe that well Hamas believes every Jews should be eliminated from the river to the sea, whether by execution or by expulsion. And Hezbollah is pretty much is, just says every last Jew on the planet should be executed. Um, uh, so these are the folks when you're when for folks who are supporting BDS, they're ending up in as it were the same bed as people who believe that. Um, that uh, Jews don't really have a right to life between the river and the sea. And it's very worrisome because what is, what is proposed, what has pro propelled the BDS movement throughout the um, world are essentially conspiracy theories about the Jews, that somehow Jews are, are conspiring to do all sorts of evil things. Um, uh, well, we're all, all we're all familiar about the uh, 
brutal attack on California from Jewish lasers. I did the Jewish, you know. <laughs> so look, that's exactly I, what I'm saying. I wish someone would sign me up for the tour of the Jewish laser. Yeah, I'd like but to see it's it. It's from myself. the right and the left. It's from both sides. You know, and and the on the far left, it's somehow Jews are conspiring with police departments to oppress people of color, and on the far left, I'm sorry, on the far left, it's that they're oppressing people of color, and on the far right, it's that Jews are oppressing white people. I mean, it, it, and if you read carefully what each on the far right and far left say, in the end, they say the almost exactly the same thing. If you read David Duke, who's a big proponent of BDS, he loves BDS, um, they end up saying the same thing. The only difference is that the far right thinks, again, that Jews are oppressing whites, and the far left thinks that Jews are somehow not really, are not, are, are hyper-white and are oppressing people of color. Well, your book, uh, Conspiracy You, A Case Study, is yep. shining the spotlight on colleges. Yes. Uh, specifically, Northwestern College, your alma mater. Yes. So what I did at Northwestern, what I did at Northwestern, there's a, there's a professor on the far right. He's actually pretty well-known. His name is Arthur Butts. And he is a tenured electrical engineering professor. And prior, after him getting, um, he received tenure prior to him writing, writing his book, The Hoax of the 20th Century, where essentially he says that the um, Jew, that no hoax, no, no, that the Holocaust was a hoax, no, nothing really happened. Um, it was all maybe a little bit of a typhoid outbreak here and there, but that it was, it was, a myth created by the Jews and Zionists to oppress Palestinians, to oppress whites. It was all some sort of big plot. And interestingly enough, when I read Butts, I realized that he claims to be not, even though he is a, he clearly is, clearly is like Jews in, from the book, that's pretty clear. Um, he claims to have no problem with Jews, just... At heart, he believes he says he's an anti-Zionist, um, and that this is all a Zionist plot. And it's interesting because when you read some scholars on the far, or supposed scholars on the far left, some of them go so far. I mean, Stephen Saleda in his book *Israel's Dead Soul* goes so far as to say that the Holocaust, that the genocide of the Palestinians, and I'm almost quoting it, is part of a a, a, a plot that started prior to the Holocaust, that began with the Holocaust, um, and leads and led to the to the to the to the genocide of the Palestinians, essentially saying the same thing: that the Holocaust was either caused by the Jews, mythologized about the Jews, and it was all some sort of multi-generational conspiratorial plot. Um, that is actually, when you read it, it's ridiculous. These are all conspiracy theories that have no factual basis. And yet, on campuses, on campuses around the country, they are embraced, they're extolled, they're, proclaimed, they're, 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 they're praised. And yet, if you wrote this about any group other than Jews or Israel, you would be you know, thrown out of uh, academia. But it's okay, it seems to be, 
to say this stuff about Jews or Israel. Again, not about, no problems with Syria, no problems with North Korea, no problems with Myanmar, just with one group. More with author Scott Shea, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? Mm. It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. 
No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with author Scott Shea straight ahead. In the book, are you looking specifically at uh, uh, BDS or have you, because in some ways it looks like a history of conspiracy theories uh, um, going back a ways. So here's the thing. I do explain because what what, what both the far right and the far left have in common are conspiracy theories again about Jews, and so I do do a brief in the beginning of the book. I should do a brief history of conspiracy theories, and and there have been conspiracy theories about the Jews going back to the 10th and 11th century, blood libels where people were claiming that Jews were using the using the blood of Christians to bake matzah. I mean, really despicable theories, and based upon these, Jews were massacred. I mean, the first one was in York, uh, in England, where the Jews were rounded up and put into a, into a uh, building and, and all uh, burned alive. And unfortunately, it hasn't gotten a lot better. There are new libels that BDS proponents really are creating today, you know, in terms of in, uh, that, 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 that there's intersectionalism between um, police brutality in the United States and somehow racism in the United States is uh, stems from Zionism or is propelled by Zionism. Um, uh, from you know everything from uh, uh, climate change, fossil fuels, cybersecurity. I mean, every day there's a new space lasers go from the li- go from the right. I mean, <laughs> there's. There's amazing. I mean, yeah. Sorry to bring amazing. that up, Scott. That's just my no. It's that's fine. just my favorite. <laughs> it's fine, and the best way to to you know make a splash is to come out with a new, ever more absurd the theory about uh, Jews and Israel. And you know what? Um, people will not appreciate it like it must be true because it connects to all the other conspiracy theories about the, about Israel, Zionists, and the Jews. It's really pretty remarkable. What what happens to people who um, who are more reasonable that that question some of the uh, struggles between Israel and Palestine? Do they do they get wrapped up in this, or is there a, a way to express some uh, concern about the politics of the of the region? Um, is is there a legitimate way to say you know I don't agree with everything that's being done? A hundred percent. I disagree with some things that Israel does, and other people are free, and that's fine. There's no question that's fine. I mean, but there's a difference, and in no other, no other, literally state in the world do we say we disagree, and therefore 
It should be the end of the state. That <laughs> country should be right, destroyed. Right. That's nowhere. And yet, and there's nowhere where you can say such blatant untruths about a place. Well, how then, do... and, 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 and have it be taught as fact at universities. But I remember growing up in school, and, and this was uh, <laughs> before Photoshop, um, and, and seeing those horrible movies that were taken during the liberation of camps in Germany at the end of World War II, and the photographs and the articles and uh, people's own testimony. And, and, and then, you know, we have projects like Schindler's List and, and all of these, these other things. Do people that support the BDS movement just chalk that all up to fake news? Well, no. I mean, I want to say this: that there are many on the far there are many on the far left that are certain that um, that and 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 don't try to um, uh, don't try to gainsay or you know say that the Holocaust didn't happen, um, but they do try to um, you know talk about it in context. Say that the Jews are playing the Holocaust card. Um, saying that that shouldn't uh, mean that the uh, that the uh, that the Palestinians should suffer, but they're not. They're, they're not everybody on the far left, or not 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 even most people on the far left, are Holocaust deniers. Um, but having said that, the truth of the matter is is that even if there were no Holocaust, and that would have been a wonderful world, the the Zionist project actually started well before that. I mean, the first Zionist Congress was in 1897, and the Jews are, for whatever anybody thinks, they're the indigenous, they're indigenous people in that reign, in that area, and there was really no state. I mean, if you go back to, um, you know, the Romans, the Romans conquered the area, then the Byzantines took over, then the Sassanids, then the Caliphates. Over time, then Arab, uh, the Arab population moved in and ultimately became a majority. Um, and then, of course, you had the um, Ottomans. You had many, many people there in this area. And um, and uh, but there are and, only two left today that claim to be indigenous. Well, and that's that, Israel so, and Palestine. Well, in terms of indigeneity, I mean, you know, there there's certainly. Uh, setting even aside the Bible, just independent evidence of there being Jews in that land from um, for about three thousand years. Now there were definitely other groups in the land as well. They're talked about in the in the in the or they're found in the archaeological literature and the like. I mean, the Arabs population came into the area. Um, after the rise of Islam and with the caliphates and more and more people moved in. And, you know, that's when you had uh, the first, uh, when the, uh, when the, at some point when the, the mosque was built in, in Jerusalem, that's on the, that's, uh, that's a flashpoint. But there were definitely always other peoples there, but the Jews certainly have a claim of, have, have a claim of indigeneity. Um, of being indigenous people. At the same time, the Palestinians, the Arabs who were there, um, certainly have a historic claim too. 
And I think that there should be a two-state solution. There certainly could have been in 1937, 1948, um, 2000, 2001, 2006. There could have been a two-state solution. My problem is, and this is a serious one, is that the BDS movement and many on the far left, particularly at universities, by demonizing the Jews and essentially saying that there's this evil cabal, they remove the opportunity to actually come up with a real estate deal. Because if your other party is vermin, then no, you can't do a deal with that other party. But if they're, you're doing a Gonza real estate deal between two disputed gr- groups, yeah, you can come to a deal. And so actually, I think the BDS movement and this demonization of Jews and Israelis, Israeli Jews, is detrimental, is counterproductive to their ultimately being a peace. Because the truth of the matter is, the Israelis aren't going anywhere, and the Palestinians aren't going anywhere, and the best thing to do would be to come up with a real estate deal where everybody signs, because clearly unilateral withdrawal doesn't work, because it hasn't worked with Gaza. So... I think the BDS movement is is counterproductive to peace. Well, and I can and I can certainly understand that. Um, but in this day and age, and it it seems to be just not just here in the U.S., but in other countries around the world, this this divisiveness that has occurred, where I'm right and you're a moron. Mm-hmm. And that just makes any kind of agreement almost impossible to reach. Is there an anecdote for what seems to be growth in the BDS movement? Well, that's what I try to do in my book, because I actually get into exactly what you're saying. Because this is, this is a, the Jews historically have been the canary in the coal mine, and it's a deep mine right now, and the problems are great for society as well, where we, where instead of working with the other party, we demonize the other part, the other side, and it's tragic and it is worrisome. And in my book, I try to talk about we're returning to truth because we're both building conspiracy theories on both right, both left. Even the moderates. I mean, at this point, everybody's got their own conspiracy set of conspiracy theories. And that's why I think this book can be of service, not just with respect to conspiracy theories about Jews, but conspiracy theories on both sides. And I think we do need to take a deep breath as society and start focusing on how we combat conspiracy theories. And look, there are conspiracy theories on the far right, QAnon, the Sandy Hook, and there are conspiracy theories on the far left. You know, all these sort of evil forces, um, uh, um, you know, um, particularly on the Marxist left, evil forces um, uh, trying to oppress uh, different groups. And so a lot of this is returning to basic tr- basic values of evidence, of truth, of how you discern evidence, how you discern truth, and not all listening to our own God, King, Pharaoh, and just assuming whatever that God, King, Pharaoh says is truth, <laughs> and that we can park our brains at the door. Well, we have to do something, um, something more than, than uh, 
getting our information from bumper stickers and Facebook memes. Yep, I agree with that. So how do we how do we do that? How do we get people to accept that you know, science isn't absolute, but it is an effort to get at the truth. How do we um you know, how do we how do we get convince people that um things that happened happen? It's 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 already begun um this this effort to suggest that the Capitol wasn't raided on January sixth. Yeah, it's it's so sad that And by people um, in Congress, Scott. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's it's not just Twitter. You know, yep. there are members of Congress. Uh, there was a member of Congress who said you know, he he was there that day, and it looked like just, you know, any other bunch of tourists. Well, I have to tell you this. Here's the thing we need to do, is that it used to be people were willing to call out folks on their own side when they told untruths. But part of our increasing tribalism is that we don't do that anymore enough as a society. So here's what I would say is a start is an attempt to, to ask people to be authentic, that you don't have to agree with everything that your party, your tribe, your group says, that people have to recognize that there's more nuance. I mean, you were talking before, how can you talk about Israel? How can you talk about Israel and, uh, and the Palestinians? Well, it's nuanced. It's complicated. You have to accept that. And then have that complicated and be open to that complicated conversation. And we have to be able to be open to complicated conversations about all sorts of things. Is the Georgia and Texas voting rights bill all bad? Is it all good? How does it compare to other states? Um, and as opposed to it's needed to maintain democracy, where, or if it's passed, all democracy will end. I mean, that's that's the sort of um, black and white Manichean um, conspiracy, you know, not conspiracy theories, but views that harm society, and not being willing to talk to your other side, not to be willing to try to come up with compromise because you demonize the other side, is problematic. So we have to each individually have a little bit of courage in that. Um, and it's not easy to speak up against people on your own side, but that's actually the first place that one ought to criticize, their own side. And then they should go to the other side. I honestly don't care to some degree what political party you are a member of as long as you're embarrassed by it. <laughs> I that's uh that's one of the one of my favorite comments of all time Scott um it's uh you know some are I, I've I've heard some people compare the two parties to uh different sides of the same coin um, well they 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 look I have my own political views but that's not relevant here but you need to be embarrassed by your own party and then if you can do that we're on our road to redemption. Well, and there are just so few 
that that are standing up. And are you concerned at all um, that in in some ways people might take away from your book that we have more institutions not to trust institutions of higher learning? Well, unfortunately, the the university system has degraded to a level where action needs to be taken to avoid this negation of facts for in favor of theories that that don't make sense and 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 uh, sadly I'm one of the many that sort of blindly expected the community of scholars to self police themselves but when you look at it deeply there is a there's intellectual corruption at a frightening level and and that needs to be dealt with um hopefully by the universities and 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 uh if it doesn't i think the university system at some point will the academia will become increasingly discredited and just viewed as a as a as a as a, as a, as a political movement as opposed to as the way that society advances through more and more knowledge and the way society improves for more and more knowledge. My guest is uh, Scott Shea, author of Conspiracy U, uh, with meaning the letter U, like university, a case study. And Scott, um, you sent me uh, an advanced copy of the book, and I admit I haven't had a chance to read it. I have opened it. I have... Uh, started it but i have not gotten through it yet but when does it officially come out so it's officially released october 12th but i encourage people to pre-order um it's available on amazon barnesnoble.com or you could order it at bookstores at quality bookstores really anywhere and um then what's next for you? I mean, I know you'll be pushing this book for a while and doing interviews like this one, but um, are, are you working on another book? I am not presently. Um, at some point, I'm working on writing on things on other topics um, as well, but uh, like cryptocurrencies and all sorts of things, because my day job is that I'm a banker. Um but uh, this was just such an important topic, and I'm so worried about what's going on in academia that I just felt I, this book needed to be written first. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you did. Scott, um, I appreciate you spending this time with me, and, and I can't believe how fast the time has gone. And, of course, as is always the case, we've only scratched the surface. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about your book, and, and really your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's scottshay.com. And uh, you can read articles, you can learn about my books, but you can also read articles. I write about everything from fiscal policy and tax policy to the book of Job. So it's all there. It's all, all the stuff that I've published in places from the Wall Street Journal to, uh, to, to, to Jewish Week. So it's all there. New well, York Daily, you know, everything I'm writing, I, I more or less post there. Well, Scott, thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning. I really appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work. Tom, thank you.
and have a great Labor Day weekend. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, Scott Shea, a prominent businessman, uh, talking about BDS and uh, its um, presence on uh, American college campuses in his book, Conspiracy U, A Case Study. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Social distance. Don't go to work. I wear a mask and gloves. I stay away from church. I avoid old folks. And should I sneeze, I do it in my elbow. I immediately apologize. 
as soon as I regain consciousness. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Pody. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All oh, the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Oh, the day they met Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila no one will forget Harvey's a CPA he works for IBM he went to MIT and got his PhD Sheila's a girl I know at BBDNO she works the PBX and makes out the checks then came one great day when Harvey took the elevator. Sheila got into floors later. Soon they both felt they were falling. Everyone heard Sheila calling. Ring the bell, but they fell. Harvey and Sheila fell in love. Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila chose a wedding ring Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila married in the spring she shopped at A&P he bought a used MG they sat and watched TV on their RCA Borrowed from HFC, bought some AT&T And on election day, worked for JFK Then they went and got a charge of plate from R.H. Macy Bought a lay at Pink and Lacey Then they had twin baby girls, both with dimples, both with curls One named B, one named K Soon they joined the PTA. <laughs> Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila moved to West LA. Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila flew TWA. They bought a house one day financed by FHA It had a swimming pool full of H2O 
traded their used MG for a new XKE. Switched to the GOP. That's the way things go. Oh, that Harvey, he was really smart. He used his noodle. Sheila bought a white French poodle. Went to Europe with a visa. Harvey's rich. They say that he's a VIP. This could be only in the USA. now like to salute all of the beautiful singing groups all over the world.
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. for this Labor Day edition of the Tom Sumner program. With a, you know, the last couple hours, we, uh, we're, we're kind of having a salute to Rosh Hashanah. We also had a salute to our, our, new, um, our new sponsor, Seth Radwell, author of uh, American Schism. And we welcome him. And, uh, and you, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Tom Sumner program, just reach out to me. Anyway, our uh, our salute to uh, Rosh Hashanah. Um, this last hour, we spent talking about um, anti-Semitism and the BDS movement, and Scott Shea about his uh, upcoming book, Conspiracy U: A Case Study. And before that, we talked with Deborah Dash Moore, who's a professor of history and Judaic studies at the University of Michigan. And she specializes in 20th century American Jewish history. And she was uh, a real treat to visit with. And we started out the show today um, with, uh, well, I guess you could call it a salute to Labor Day. We were talking with uh, Margaret Ference, Senior Vice President and Business Banking uh, Credit and Ops Director for Huntington National Bank, based in Columbus. And uh, she was talking about rebuilding financial security uh, for small businesses, but especially in urban neighborhoods and for um, minority-owned businesses. So it was a pretty interesting show for this Labor Day. Hope you're having a a great Labor Day. And uh, that wraps it up again uh, for today's Labor Day edition of the Tom Sumner program. That's smoking George Winters tickling the Irish. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'm going to fool them, head out to the deck, and throw something on the grill. But uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. In the meantime, happy Labor Day. Good night, everybody. live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the flint area 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.